Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Armando Salguero will be with us in 20 minutes. And next hour, Trey Wallace, both from OutKick.com. Trey covers the SEC. Armando, the NFL. We'll chat with both. Coming up on today's show, our thanks to Dave Stewart for joining us in hour number one. The World Series championship pitcher trying to uh, lead a group to bring a Major League Baseball expansion franchise to Nashville. Uh, if you missed portions or all of that conversation, you can download the podcast to the show wherever you find your audio. Just search out Outkick 360 and subscribe to our podcast. Headlines across the league, Kyrie Irving um, and, and Durant go cold in the second half. It was Durant's worst second half performance of his career, shooting-wise. And Boston pulls the comeback, and they win by seven. So we discussed scenarios of what Kyrie's game two would look like and whether or not the shooting performance would be on or off. Brooklyn came out hot, and in, in the NBA, it's a game of runs where a 20-point lead can get down to eight fast. And that's what happened yesterday evening. It was quite the atmosphere in the first half. Uh, the Boston crowd got behind the Celtics' effort in the second half. And uh, the Celtics take the 2-0 series lead behind a uh, solid play down the stretch. But ultimately, the top two stars not making baskets. And uh, Boston got physical with Durant in that game. Coming off screens, he was getting knocked around. And their game plan worked on the defensive end. Kyrie Irving, 10 points, 4 of 13 shooting. He was 6 of 10 from 3 alone in game number 1. Uh, maybe Kyrie needs to flip off the crowd a few times to get himself going be. because yeah. he did not assert himself at all last night, and there was no real fireworks on his end. Uh, there were some choice chants from the Boston crowd towards Kyrie Irving. There was a consistent level of volume every time he touched the basketball, uh, which is tough to keep up that energy the whole game. The Boston crowd was able to do that. A terrific atmosphere, but Kyrie Irving was not the game one Kyrie Irving he better become the game one Kyrie Irving if they're yeah. going to get back in the series. Pressure on. When they go back to Brooklyn. Um, I mean, Peyton Pritchard, who is a reserve guard for the Celtics, had more baskets in the final minute than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combined the entire second half. That's a problem for Brooklyn. He looked pretty good, Peyton Pritchard. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Nets, you know, are in a must-win game three scenario here and not looking particularly favorable they need their two stars to be big stars and for home court to to have real meaning for this series to to get extended i'm and, not excited uh, as, as game three as i was for for game two because of the the home court aspect of boston right like the the chance and all that i mean and and credit to tnt they were all in on the coverage of it I mean, they, they were coming out of commercial break with sideline reports on what Kyrie was doing, what he did pregame. I mean, the whole thing was centered around Kyrie versus the city, um, which 
again, adds to the hype of a playoff matchup I normally wouldn't be watching uh, this time of the postseason. I for don't the want NBA. the Celtics to be any good. And in Boston, if they go another series, they'll be crowned, uh, you know, all but champions. So well, I'm least, I'm least interested. I'm less interested in um, Game Three for the reason that it's in Brooklyn, but also because Kyrie Irving didn't do anything. I was uh, hoping for a little something in that game, not just on court, but off court uh, with the Boston crowd, with players on the Celtics. Said he was, was bringing um, the same energy, and he it's not the same energy, not the same energy at all. Uh, the U.S. Capitol was evacuated yesterday, and. Um, that was the headline as we went off uh, off the air, and it turns out it was because of the Washington Nationals pregame show. And uh, um, with, miscommunication um, here, it would yeah, seem. Yeah, uh, something uh, unidentified uh, plane around the area, and they evacuated the Capitol, and then whatever they were doing uh, for uh, pregame, it was like a parachute. Para-jumper. Yeah, uh, they, they evacuated the Capitol because of the Washington Nationals. How would you not no. communicate I know, that? I know, I know. Like if you're flying over any city, you're telling them what's going on. Yeah, and particularly would, and, those, in and those and those games are mapped out by the minute for the pregame festivities. Yeah. Like the the anthem starts at exactly a minute. The jumper you, comes out yeah. at exactly this. Yeah, the you know when they're going to exactly land, this. right? But yeah. it was viewed as a possible threat because they were not able to communicate what was going on, and so they evacuated the capital because. I of also it. feel like there's got to be some stipulations if you are a team in D.C to what you can do, where just things are off limits? I mean, anything that could trigger a, a security lockdown of the White House, you just don't do for your pregame or postgame festivities or at a concert or anything if you're in actual D.C.? I'm not talking about Landover, Maryland, where the Gar- – uh, not the Guardians, the Commanders now play. I'm mixing up well, my teams e- that have Even there, switched. you're probably dealing with some airspace, things where simple notification protocol it. has to be followed and should be relatively – uh, simple. I'm sure there's stuff in place and somebody dropped the ball. Well, some, so there's some kind of communication with the FAA not, uh, not letting uh, the Capitol Police know about who would be in their airspace or around their airspace. Um, I don't know if the Nationals were to blame as much as it is the FFA, it, FAA. It was, um, it was a U.S. Army Ranger or something, one of the uh, parachute you know, guys, they were, they were with U.S. Army that were jumping in. <laughs> so it's a division of your own government. Yeah. Yeah, and it was pre-planned. I mean, it's not like they've said, "Hey, let's let's do this today. Right, let's yeah. move it up." Hey, today the wind's not blowing today. The weather's going to be terrible tomorrow. Yeah. Let's do it today. Let's no, send it was... the guy in today. We're gonna we're gonna change it up. This reminds me, just thinking of DC. I wonder if Kamala Harris's speech about space was taking place <laughs> around the same time. Have you guys seen this video? No. Yes. It is. Oh my! Hilarious. It is inadvertently hilarious. It looks like it reminded me of Vince Vaughn <laughs> in old school. When he takes the mic and he says, well, my friend Mitch here is trying to say is true love is blind. <laughs> and just completely going to different. I mean, it is, it, it's space. Earth is a planet. Planet in space. There's a planet next to Earth called Mars. It looks like the teleprompter went out. And she just had to start talking about space <laughs> in bold terms. And it was like a third grader that got assigned a certain amount of words to say about space in front of the class. It is Hilarious. I was waiting for her to go full Miss South Carolina, and such as U.S. <laughs> Americans and their like such as such as space. Um, Mars, Earth is a great planet. Mars is next to Earth. We decide it, to go to was, Mars. He's not. I mean, he's paraphrasing, but he's he's also spot well, on. I think, I think some of that's actually the audience. Quotes. Five or six word sentences among the most basic. The audience was the military behind her. Space is a bunch fun. of people in military fatigues behind her. Space is vast. Without space, we don't exist. Yes. We choose to go to Mars. <laughs> Mars is a planet. 
It's a planet next to Earth. <laughs> Earth is a great planet. It's just like one-off string of sentences over and over again that say the state the obvious. The SNL skit for that should be awesome. Well, they won't touch it. <laughs> I, I, they should. I mean, they, they, they should go all They in should touch it. it, but they, they won't. Um, another detail came out with uh, the Dwayne Haskins uh, death where he was hit by a dump truck last weekend uh, in Florida, or two weeks ago, 10 days ago. And, uh, we, the, of course, the 911 call came out with his wife saying that he, had, he, had, he ran out of gas, he was going to attempt to get gas, and he would call her back. And when he didn't, that's when she called, uh, trying to alert or, or, or in frantic, trying to figure out what was going on. Turns out there had been an incident. They didn't know who was involved, so they couldn't confirm that to her. Um, but then the other details come out that he was actually hit by two cars, not one. And there's now a map that's been released the of the whole incident. The map is just freaky to, 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 to be able to kind of put it in your head. You know, I think all of us envision it to some degree, but to see what happens. And so the dump truck hits him into another lane where somebody tries to swerve and avoid him but can't and then hits him. And then the second car pulls all the way across the highway to, to the shoulder and the dump truck pulls into kind of an esplanade where the highway's dividing. And then you're imagining, I, I am anyway, the dump truck driver and the driver of this car getting out to... to find out exactly what had had happened and then there's another another report of a a driver you can hear someone yelling at a a man to get out of the interstate yeah um and somebody calling in to say um i just saw this car hit this guy or that might have been the same call it's just bizarre and his wife handling this from pittsburgh knowing that him not calling back was foreboding uh something bad and then, like you said, the the nine one one people being able to tell her something has happened. We don't know with who, but her being able to connect the dots and knowing he was the kind of guy who, if he said he was going to call back, would definitely would have called would have. back. And the fact that he didn't call back, she's then finding out something happened and connecting the dots and being like, oh, oh my God, something happened. It's very, I, I don't know. The, the, it leaves you asking st- still a lot of questions. Like if you're able to make a phone call from your cell phone after running out of gas. Why would you do that instead of, why would you not call AAA roadside or, assistance yeah. or something like an Uber driver or something to come grab you instead of crossing these lanes of traffic where there's clearly more traffic than what, in, in my mind, I would think, oh, maybe, you know, there's, there's, he doesn't see any cars and someone without headlights on hits him. Like, I, I'm trying to come up with a reason why I would cross the interstate in that situation running out of gas. Um, and it, it's hard to figure out the scenario of it. Really it's, it's not a easy, you know, one plus one equals two no. type formula to it. Oh, well, this is what happened. He was confused about this. And then, okay, now we understand what exactly happened. There's, it, it, is, it is very confusing. And I'm not trying to play detective with it. Uh, bottom line is it's a tragedy, you know, what happened. But I'm with you, Hutton. It doesn't make a lot of sense of all the things that could have been done to prevent it. Well, I, st- I think about the dumb mistakes I make on a daily basis and just uh, as I was looking at this map and everything, being so thankful that mine haven't been yeah. life-threatening or, or cost me my life. There, but for the grace of yeah. God, on many occasions. Um, Chad, uh, last night, congratulations on a great victory as Coach Withrow and the Red Sox softball team. I give all the credit to my players. You produced um, the 14 runs that I 14 predicted 14 to 2 you. run You nailed rule. it. You nailed it, Paul. 14. 
14 to 2. We would have had more had we not run ruled them in three innings. And I, I was joking. I was humble. joking yesterday by saying there I'm will be blood. I said there will be blood. And in fact, I don't know if there was blood, but you did hit your first player of the season. Yeah. That's the pitcher. I mean, I didn't. When I say Someone's I, daughter hit, was I hit her uh, assistant coach's daughter, when I hit her, I say sort of hit her because I went too far inside and she swung and really had no chance on the swing but to hit her hand mm. on the bat as she swung. Sounds malicious. And uh, it's one of the younger players in the team. She's an absolute sweetheart, and she's one of the smaller players in the team. And I fear that I've lost this player now for the remainder of the season because all year I've been getting her to inch closer and closer to the plate to not step out and bail out towards third base on every swing. Very hesitant about oh, getting hit by the pitch. Now. Very scared of the ball. Um, and I've kind of got her to a point where she'll swing, but still kind of lean back a little bit as she swings. Won't step forward, keeps her feet completely still, and swings and leans back. So the only way to help her get a hit is to throw it incredibly inside because she's already leaning back. So, yeah, I'm, so you I'm, wanna, you, you're trying to entice first, contact. Right, after the first I've swing. I've got a lot to interpret here. After the first swing, I'm trying to hit bats. So I know kind of where they're going, especially the young ones. All right, I'm trying to throw it at a velocity and to a location to where their last swing went. So with her, I had to inch a little bit closer inside. And right when I released, I knew I went, I went too far inside. I'm thinking, she's going to swing at everything. Our team doesn't watch a pitch. You know, they're going to swing wherever it is, and she's going to hit her hand. And it was that delayed reaction where I knew it hit her hand and no one else really saw it. No one knew what happened because it just fouled off. It looked like a foul ball. And I went up and I said, are you okay? And the moment that I approached her, uh, the tears started coming down. She was asking for her daddy. And um, we took it out. <laughs> she, she had a pitch left after the foul ball, but she Didn't decided, care for it. She decided that, that's the night for me and ran to her dad, I, and that was it. We I, took I the out see and kept Chad going. Way to go, like coach. Nodding off the, you know, the, it's like the, the UFC, uh, the, the ref, you know, when he calls the fight off, he's waving the hands like, oh, that's it. That's it. We're, you know, the guy gets poked in the eye. Can't, he can't continue. <laughs> Did you just I, go to the next see, batter? I can, Chad, I can see Chad trying to lobby. Like, look, there's, we still have one more swing. Oh, I mean, I, we, we don't need to take this out. How did you balance this? Like, was it the last out of the inning? No, no, the no, score no, the time. Next no. girl up. We're moving on. Next girl. Was it 12 nothing? Yeah, I mean, I went right up to the next girl. <laughs> next no, girl. I think it was 8-1 to one at the time. <laughs> we don't have time for this. Next girl up. Now, we Chad, got off. If, let me, let me tell you. If it were 2-2 and the game was on the line, would let, you have reacted Let me tell you a better story than this. at least? No, I mean, we. what am I supposed to do? We go to the next batter. I mean, I didn't. No, without taking the out, we didn't, I'm saying. We didn't pause for a moment of silence and ask the other team to take no, their hats I, off. I'm I mean, saying instead she of she had a bruise on her hand. I'm saying we, to you took the out and she had a swing left. Would you be trying to convince someone to you know, hey, let's uh, let's it's not that bad. Let's take the swing. Let's take one more swing. Oh no, I tried to tell her let's keep going. I mean, I was like, hey, we can do it. Do you want to swing again? And that's when she started screaming and crying. Around her. I said, all right. Coach Charlie, come up. All right. up That's it. You All right, no, it's the next batter. We'll take I mean, the out. It, was, it was an we'll out. Take so the out. The next batter comes up. I got a better story than that, though. Get her out of here. Next. So these are the things that happen in, in little kids' ball at times, all right? We're playing this other team, and it was a mom that was a, the coach in pitching. We have one out in the inning. I think it's like eight to one at this point that we're ahead. And there's runners on second and third. My daughter is pitching. So pitcher gets a lot of activity when they hit the ball, typically. Well, the girl's she's not play. actually pitching. So she's in, playing in, defense in softball, at pitcher. Yeah, I'm, the coach is pitching, but she's in the pitcher circle. But that's the prime defensive right. position in little kids' ball, especially T-ball, but we're not playing with a T. So in softball, there's typically a little semicircle in front of the plate where if it doesn't get past that, it's a foul ball. So you can't just hit a little, you know, barely get a piece of it, and it goes forward. In our league, anything that's on the plate or in front of it is fair game. 
So girl hits it, barely makes contact, ball trickles out in front of the plate. Chaos ensues. So I, the coaches now have to stand in the grass. They can't be in the field with the players. So I've got the loudest voice on the field, and I'm yelling at Evie, my daughter, go get the ball. It's fair. Go get it. So the other coach is kind of confused. It's clearly a fair ball. The girl at third starts <laughs> running home. My daughter runs up, gets the ball, and I just yell, tag her, because she had to tag her. Evie tracks this girl down. She's a good eight feet away from her. She's going back to third, runs her down, tags her. Well, at this point, the runner on second has run all the way to third. All right? So I'm then yelling at Evie. you got to keep on. I can't run onto the field to tell her. <laughs> I'm trying to yell over all the parents and everything else saying, now tag the other girl. Tag the other girl. There was one out. I'm thinking, this is a double play in the end. This is amazing. <laughs> so the girl then, I'm get this game the, over coach, the coach at third is just, go, go back, go back. Because I'm like, this girl's about to chase you down too. So she runs back. Evie finally, by the time she realizes it's too late, runs back. She's a second. So that's, that's one out, right? That's the second out of the inning is what I'm thinking. So the umpire looks up and says, inning over. And I'm thinking, what in the heck just happened? I look at the other coach, the woman pitching. She says, yeah, that's three outs. And she's very nice and kind of smiling. I'm like, okay. So I'm getting the girls you know, off the field. Hey, let's get ready to bat. So I go to the umpire and I said, so walk me through what happened there. And he said, well, the girl who hit the ball just went back to the dugout. <laughs> she's out. So the girl who hit the dribbler that started all the chaos, thought it was a foul ball, and instead of one of their coaches yelling at her to run to first where she would have been safe easily because no one was thinking about the girl at first, she just walked to the dugout, yes, took her coaching. helmet off, walked to the dugout. She was out, so that was the double play. Poor coach. This is where, if, I mean, look, you can get mad at the coach who's loud all you want, and I'm not yelling and screaming at kids in a derogatory way, right. but you want me on that field, you need me on that field. You need someone with a loud voice when it comes to little kids that's not meek and sitting back and not telling them what to do. Because I would have been up there on the pitcher's mound pulling the Peyton Manning and the SNL skits in, run, run. I mean, over the top of them, like hitting the back of their helmet, like run to first, run to first, run the whole time. That I'm would have been me. Way. Over under 10 runs for Chad's uh, next opponent. May well, God have tonight, mercy on that team. We, have, we play the Mariners tonight. We played the Cubs last night. The Mariners won last night 6-2. to two. So yeah, our infield's going to get some more work tonight. You double the spread against the Bears. We're going to we're going to get double we're gonna, the spread. They won last. We're going to get some more work tonight. It's more of a challenge. Hutton back into double the last the four innings. But of hey, three. it's all about the girls learning and having fun. It's really not about winning. I do want to. I want to repeat the emphasis of Mount Juliet League when I say that. It's really about the development of yeah. the young girls. Notice how long it took. We're at the end of the segment. He squeezed that in. That's what it's about. <laughs> I want to repeat. Repeat. I want to repeat what Mount Joy League stands for. He wants for. to repeat what he hasn't said. In fact, I have the mission right now. In fact, I have the mission statement in front of me that I'd like to read aloud. If you guys <laughs> would allow me, I love all, that so much. It's all about. Meanwhile, that. the uh, softball league that um, that David Reed played in, uh, there, there's no sportsmanship allowed, and there there is no there is no. Uh, is Paul's mic on? There is we, no run rule yeah, there. Coming up, uh, the mic will be on for Armando Salguero. By the way, David Reed, with all the softball he's played, he is someone who completely approves of my oh, coaching no style. Doubt. I can feel it. I can feel the energy from over there. Armando Salguero next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are back. Outkick 360 live from the 6th and Peabody Studios downtown Nashville with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Chad Withrow, Paul Kuharski. There's a void in the middle of our table right now because Jonathan Hudden has left us. He's got an event he had to get to, so we will carry the rest of the way. And Armando Salguero is going to help us get to the finish line today. He is the NFL writer, NFL senior columnist, NFL columnist. He's got a lot of titles. We can throw out a lot. He's the NFL guy at Outkick.com, and he's on with us right now from sunny South Florida. Armando, how are you? So Hutton didn't feel like hanging around nice. so that he could talk to me, right? I come on and he leaves. That's well, the way he this is, a, much. this is a lot of confidence in you, Armando, in that Hutton initially said, I got to leave at, at four to get to an event at five. And then he saw the lineup and he said, oh, Armando's coming on at 320, so I'm good. You, you, Armando will carry it. I'm going to leave at 3.15 so I can get there in time. So that's a lot of confidence in you. That's a big vote of confidence from Hutton. Yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, let, let's start here. Not, not with an NFL headline, but USFL debuted on Saturday night in Birmingham. I, I was there. I saw you tweeting a bit about it. Um, what was your perspective on the television broadcast angle of it and, and your takeaways from, from game number one and sort of where they could go from here? So I loved it. I really did. And let me tell you what my favorite part was. There was a drive, and I don't know, I don't remember which of the, you know, four games it was. There was a drive in which basically the booth kept quiet. And all we heard was the call from the coach to the quarterback and natural sound on the field and the players. And I was good with that. And I love that because it made me feel like not only was I there, it made me feel like I was in the game. And it was amazing. And, you know, it's stunning because the NFL, NFL teams freak out when the television broadcast catches their snap counts. They just go bonkers over that. Well, these guys... They, their plays are right there. The names of their plays, their audibles are right there on the broadcast. And I thought it was just, that part was just amazing to me. Well, and not only that, Armando, but you know, going back and watching some of the first game, the announcing team trying to decipher the play calls when they get six and seven words deep. And there was a moment where Joel Klatt, who I think is really good, Joel Klatt said, all right, I caught 57 in there. 57 is generally a protection, so I think we're going to see our first pass of the game on this one. He was right. It was a first down, and he said, you know, they, the one team had not passed yet, and I heard him say that. He said, 57 is a pass protection, so we'll probably see a pass right here. But I love that level of access that you're right, you'll, you're never going to get with a league like the NFL. No, and uh, the drones, so they have these drones that are flying about the field, and the camera shots are generally cool, but the little whine of the little drone was a little bit bothersome to me in that, you know, I don't know if you've ever driven a turbocharged car, 
or a supercharged car. And when you step on the gas, it goes, that was like the (laughs) drone uh, the the entire time. And that was like, I wanted to be able to swat one of those things or shoot one of those things out of the air. Hey, real quick story. Uh, So we're in Birmingham doing our Outkick the Tailgate show before the game, and they're testing that drone out and everything within the stadium, and the drone is flying around, and we're hearing that noise in the background of our broadcast on Outkick the Tailgate with that sound. And one of our engineers, who is terrific, Corey, and I think he was joking, but I also think he was kind of serious. He said, hey, I, I think I'm going to go down there and tell them to stop with the drone right now because we're hearing it in our broadcast. And I said, Corey, if you go down there and tell the USFL to stop with the drone work before the game, we will never be invited back to Birmingham ever again to do anything with this league. So please, for the sake of all of us, don't do that. This, would, it, it, this is what makes me respect Corey even more, that he was willing to really fall on the sword for the good of the broadcast to do that. But I'm thinking, no, let's not, let's not tell them to do anything. They can play the speakers as loud as they want. They can do whatever we want. We are here to, in support of them and to promote this game tonight, not the other way around. So I'm in favor of stealth drones, like the really <laughs> quiet ones. That's yes. the ones that I want. Hey, what do you make of uh, receiver chaos right now? Debo Samuel at the head of the line because he's the first of these four to demand a trade. Three of them not at OTAs is their little statement. DK Metcalf um, is rehabbing an injury, and he has shown up for Seattle. But uh, the current story in the NFL is um, receivers going into their fourth year who are certainly underpaid based on their production – Wanting action um, on their new deals with uh, Samuel leading the way here uh, by demanding a trade from the 49ers. Well, Paul, with a dismissive, their little statement, <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever, guys, I'm over you. Uh, actually, another statement that they made was they all scrubbed their social media accounts of the teams and team mentions, which is like, I guess – You know, I don't know what a 1970s, 1980s, 1990s equivalent of that is, but definitely when a player scrubs his social media account of his team mentions and photos and so forth, you know that there's beef. I would say to you that of all these guys, um, first of all, they're all going to get paid because they're all pretty good. Second of all, none of them none of them are system players. In other words, what I mean by that is if you pluck Debo Samuel out of San Francisco and put him, say, anywhere else in the NFC West, he's going to ball. Same thing with A.J. Brown. Same thing with Metcalf. It's not about the teams it's about the individuals and those talents and that's i think they recognize that um the players certainly do their agents do and so that's the reason that they're like you need to pay us and you need to pay us 25 million a year plus because we'll go somewhere else next year well and we're, we're caught in this weird zone right now armando where The CBA is worse in the NFL for the players than any other league with the lack of guaranteed contracts, and there's a reason for that. But that's part of what makes the NFL so great. Paul's harped on this for a while. He doesn't want guaranteed contracts. 
because guaranteed contracts in Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, hurts the standing with the team and the player at times and hurts the quality of play. And you don't have that in the NFL. But if we get to a point where every player who's drafted in the second round or beyond just decides after outperforming their contract, I'm not playing here, trade me, because someone else is willing to pay me if you're not, then it kind of defeats the purpose of that contract at, at some point. I don't think we're there yet, but this is an interesting time we're in right now where guys can really tell the team exactly what they want. And as you said, Armando, they're going to get paid by that team or someone else. Right. And look, obviously there are, there are things that teams can do to, you know, kind of push back franchise tags being one of those. But the problem with franchise tags that means that you still keep the player even when you and he have not agreed to a contract is, number one, uh, players hate it. They typically turn into a problem, uh, not just in the offseason, but sometimes during the season. And number two, at the receiver position, because they are generally – well, they're not generally. They are – you take the top five at a position – and is it the top five, Paul, or the top ten? They've shifted back and forth. Yeah, I think five. But that's how they figure franchise tags. And so it's expensive to do that. What the, What do you make of Kyler Murray? And what would you do with him if you're the Cardinals? Clearly you want to see more to prove himself. You've already got to commit to the fifth-year option, which is steep. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. I think it's $27 million for 2023. Um, but I, I mean, he's trying to force your hand. It, 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 I would just make him show up. I mean, he's going to be fined fifty thousand or forty thousand dollars a day come training camp. He's not going to swallow that. Uh, he's not going to not show up. Right. Uh, Kyler Murray will play for the Arizona Cardinals in twenty twenty two, and in twenty twenty three, and in twenty twenty four. And the reason that I know that is because they will sign him to a contract and he will agree to a contract eventually. And whatever else happens, uh, you know, between the margins of that, it's going to be interesting. But interesting is not going to lead to a trade because the Cardinals are not going to trade away the guy that they've invested three years in, has improved steadily, and actually helped them to get into the playoffs last year. Number two, the head coach is tied at the hip to Kyler Murray, not just because he's the head coach and Kyler Murray is the quarterback. They share an agent. And so there is motivation on that side as well to make it work. And I think everyone will eventually make it work in Arizona. Today's almost a little bit of a holiday, Armando, because today's the day that people find out that May 12th is a holiday when the NFL schedule comes out. Have you been able personally to come to terms with the fact that the day when people find out the dates on which games will be played is such a big deal? I, I personally have not, uh, but I, I'm, I'm trying, I guess. Well, so I used to be a beat writer at the Miami Herald, as you know, Paul? Yeah, so it's called Marriott uh, Day, where you come from, <laughs> like it is for me. And American Airlines Day, yes. Uh, 
And so that's where I get to collect, uh, you know, the future points that I'm going to use on my free vacation stays. And I get to, you know, basically uh, look at how much miles I'm going to rack up uh, on on my flights. But I kind of I kind of dig it, to be honest with you, because it tells you who the Super Bowl champion is going to start their season with it tells you who's going to, you know, go overseas a lot. Um, and now we've got games in Germany as well. So I, you know, I like it. I, I, I am all about it. I understand that the NFL gets ripped for turning non games into events. Some of those including the NFL draft and the NFL combine, but guess what? People are into it. The NFL is is the best league out there at turning the offseason into excitement. I would rather look, I would rather watch the draft than a random NBA game. I, I would. I just would. Um, I would rather uh, hear about what's going on at the combine than watch a spring training game in you know march or where whatever it is and so i just maybe i'm the 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 rogue guy out there that has no life um but i like this stuff and by the way free agency you put free agency like they have the first couple of days of free agency now that are legal tampering periods you put those up against nba playoff games if they were on at the same time and it would be a blowout. People would watch the free agency shows. Yeah, I mean, look at the TV ratings. You're not alone, Armando. Most people in America would prefer to watch the NFL draft, especially the first round, as opposed to a, a random, not just NBA game, but NBA playoff game. So you're certainly not alone there. Let's talk a little NFL draft. The closer we get to Thursday night, the less confident I am that the Detroit Lions will actually show the restraint and the patience of not drafting a quarterback number two overall in this draft. And I start to lean more and more towards they're going to pull the trigger on a quarterback with pick number two on Thursday night. What say you, Armando? If they do that, they're dumb. Because, um, honestly, what are you saying Kenny Pickett should be the number two overall pick? I'm not saying any of these guys are worthy of number two. I'm saying I don't want to underrate a team that doesn't have the quarterback, their quarterback's ability to not just take a dumb flyer on any rookie that they can get their hands on because they need a quarterback. That would be the driving force of a dumb decision. Well, if they want to make a less dumb decision, they can use their second first-round pick on a quarterback, and chances are that maybe all but two of them will be on the board. I have a hard time believing that Kenny Pickett's going to be the number two player drafted uh, next next Thursday. I just I I just have a hard time believing that. And of course, it means that I'll be wrong, and he will be the number two pick. But by any measurements, by any standards, he ain't that. And there are better players in this draft than him by every standard that these draft gurus and the personnel department guys and the famous anonymous source scout uh, 
would would tell you. It's just Kenny Pickett. Okay, I sent, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I sent myself this when I read it last night, either in a Pro Football Focus or Football Outsiders piece. His average time to throw in college was three point two seconds. That's a major strike against him because that's an eternity in college in the pros. After 3.2 seconds, he will be generally being scooped up by one of his offensive linemen off the floor. Yeah, and, you know, you hear stuff about mechanics, and there was, you know, that's way beyond the hand measurement issue that he had there for about a month. Um, Look, the hand thing is a real thing because quarterbacks with smaller hands generally have problems playing in bad weather conditions. Now, as Chad was saying, Detroit, you know, the Lions, they play indoors. But there are games that the Lions play at Green Bay. And, you know, there are games that that are played in the winter in the NFL. In Chicago. And so, yeah, for, yeah. So it's hard to imagine um, him as the number two overall pick, because as Paul, like you mentioned, it's not just one issue. It's like two or three minor issues that combined make you go, hmm, not at number two, sorry. Does a smart team let itself be influenced in this draft and say, you know, we're probably not turning things around this year entirely. These quarterbacks are not uh, terrific and we'll probably be in range next year of, of, a better, of somebody in a better class. Um, and, and so we'd be wiser to get a building block here um, who could help a quarterback that we, we get a year off who's going to be a better player. Like, I mean, if Detroit took Malik Willis, which you hear, he's going to sit this year, and then you're going to have to convince people he's better than guys you're not taking next year. Right. Um, well, one team that comes to mind when you were saying that is the Houston Texans. So, you know, they have a, a reservoir of picks. I wouldn't pick a quarterback if I were them. I would roll with, you know, with uh, Davis and let him sink or swim. And if he sinks, I'm coming back next year with all those picks that I got for Deshaun Watson and using them then on better quarterbacks than the ones that are available this year. Armando Salguero, OutKick.com, our guest every Thursday right here on OutKick 360. Armando, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks. So when we come back, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were able to create movie magic once upon a time with Goodwill Hunting. They're trying to do the same once again with their latest project, and it's a sports film. We'll discuss when we come back. This is Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are at it again. And this time, 
It's got a sports theme to it. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski with you. So 1996, Goodwill Hunting. They famously won Best Original Screenplay, the Academy Award. Gus Van Zandt directed that film. Now they're teaming up again, Paul, for a movie about Nike's pursuit of Michael Jordan in the early, mid-'80s to sign Michael Jordan. What are your thoughts? I suppose it could be interesting. You could make a good movie about anything. But on its face, Sonny Vaccaro does not uh, appeal to me. He's a shyster. Um, There's been a lot about him, 30 for 30 maybe. Um, yeah, Soul Man was the 30 for 30 yeah, about Sonny Vaccaro. I'm not particularly intrigued by this as a, uh, as a, as a film. I'm sure you are 1,000% oh, you know, in. You know what I'm going to say That's to why this. I sent it to you this I'm, morning when I'm I saw all it. in on this one. So Matt Damon's going to play Sonny Vaccaro. Ben Affleck is going to be – Sonny Vaccaro's the star of the film. Matt Damon – sorry, Ben Affleck will play Phil Knight, Nike founder, in more of a supporting role. Ben Affleck will direct, which Ben Affleck's a, a good director also, never directed Matt Damon, his lifelong buddy. Um, it's from Amazon Studios, which makes me think it's going to be an Amazon Prime option to watch right away. I'm sure it'll have a theatrical run, but it'll have an Amazon Prime ability to watch. I also like, Paul, and reading more about this, that they're never going to show Michael Jordan in the film. Yeah, that good. he's going to kind of be over the movie as this mythical figure. Michael Jordan's mom, Dolores, is going to be a big part of it and their visit in North Carolina with her as the strong-willed mother of Michael Jordan. Uh, But the script was written by someone else years ago, and Damon and Affleck are rewriting the script currently. I don't know how I feel about that part of it, only because it was probably a really good script in the beginning, and it's some no-name that wrote it. And now to get the movie made, he had to hand it over to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who may just change a couple things and they're going to get the writing credit for it. The one thing that is intriguing to me is most people watching this do not know of a world where Nike was not a giant player. Um, I read years ago a, a book about Nike coming, coming uh, into it that featured this as part of it. But Nike, you know, at the beginning, Phil Knight you know, could not imagine not having three stripes as his logo. He's looking at Adidas and those three stripes, and just could not get his head around the idea they had to come up with something else because three stripes were obviously the thing you would have as a logo. And the, the coming about the swoosh and forcing himself to like the swoosh when he hated the swoosh because three stripes was what you had on a sneaker. Th- that was it. Yeah, and so the Winning Time HBO series, there's a, an episode, a big part of it, is Nike and Phil Knight pitching Magic Johnson and Magic Johnson going with Converse, who was the established brand, but he liked Nike, and he liked their pitch about, we're revolving our whole company around you and the Magic Johnson shoe, and Converse wasn't willing to call it the Magic or, or whatever it was, but it was Nike that was willing to do that. And of course, this was before they landed Michael Jordan. But yeah, they were number three in the sneaker game at the time, and it was a big leap of faith from uh, Michael Jordan to sign with them. I also think that if you had Michael Jordan in the movie, because he's such a big known figure, if it wasn't perfectly cast, oh, I'd be critiqued to no end. It would ruin the movie for me. Like I would watch, and I'm thinking, if Michael Jordan's in 20 percent of the movie and it's awful, yeah, I think it's when smart. he's in it, then it would it would ruin it. 
you have Matt Damon starring in it and Ben Affleck. It's like, okay, it's going to be good. It's going to be pretty well acted, you would think, from that standpoint. So I'm, I'm all I, in I'm, on watching I'm this. I'm curious, particularly that it, uh, it's going to be on Amazon right away, uh, presumably. We have a release date on this? Uh, I don't. They haven't even started making it yet, okay. so it's going to be a while. But um, I also like that Affleck and Damon are big sports fans. I like a story like this in the, in the hands of sports fans and not a non-sports person, so that part of it I like. Here's another thing about streaming right now. This blew my mind last night. You can watch The Batman on HBO Max free of charge. I just saw it in theaters. And I go to HBO Max, I'll see The long. Batman, and I'm thinking it's going to be like 10 bucks to watch. It does not take long. Even on HBO Max, no. And I think it's an exclusive window. It's like a week or maybe through the weekend you can watch and it goes away again and you have to pay for it. But you can watch The Batman right now on HBO Max. Quickly on this. I started, and I'm like, oh, here it is. There's a big story about Netflix had a really bad, I don't know if it's a quarter or a month, raised prices, lost 200,000 subscribers when it's expecting to gain 2 million or 2.5 million. And then I saw a headline on a story that said, you know, this is foreboding for other streaming services. I think the other. I think Hulu and Amazon Prime doing well more better new content, not making me wait a year and a half for the next part of Ozark. I think Netflix needs to step up its game and, and produce more, better, newer content and sequels quicker. I think they need step to. Step it up. I think they need to not release all the episodes at once. I think the ability to, to stream all of Ozark in a weekend is hurting them. They need to space it out the way these other streaming services yeah, have. And don't get more expensive. So it got lit on Instagram Live yesterday in regards to Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown. We have the audio for you. We're going to play it. We're going to discuss a lot of news in this one. That's coming up next. This is OutKick 360.